Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast. This is Pat Martin. You're hearing my voice on a Monday morning. I'm not talking on a Monday morning, but talking on Sunday evening. But you'll be listening to this on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, for the first time in a while. We're uh, we're on schedule this week, Coach. Got Coach Stewart with me here. What is our schedule anyway? Because I have uh, in my calendar, struggle. I don't know about you, but I have in my calendar Wednesday afternoon podcast recording, recurring <laughs> so, meeting. So, somehow we always find something more important to do on that, that Well, Wednesday. we pick the busiest day of the week. I don't know about you, but Wednesday's jam-packed for me. It wasn't that way when we first picked it, I don't think. I think that's what happened. But now Wednesdays, Wednesdays are really busy for me. Well, in this world of... These uncertain times amid... Wait a minute. I was going to drop this. Okay. I was going to go amid this virtual reality that we live in now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like it's harder for us to uh, to abide by that calendar uh, uh, time frame that we have scheduled. I, you know, before we were forced, we we're like we knew yeah, we had to be there physically. We'd physically mm-hmm. locate to the uh, relocate to the studio. But now it's just. Uh, you know, got yeah. some other stuff to do. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's, it's the way it's of the world. Different. Yep. Hey, we're, we're, we're coming out of this, I think. May. May. Oh, goodness. May. What, what's May? May is going to be the end. I'm calling it. The end of COVID? Yeah. Well... No, but the end of the fear. Okay. I I think we're I think we're back. That's a bold relative. prediction, my friend. I'm making it. Okay. I'm not afraid. I've already made a couple that's been wrong though. So <laughs> everyone out there, don't uh, don't put your hopes and dreams on on Pat Martin's uh, prediction. I am no uh, future uh, teller or anything, but um, I hope it's sooner than that. Yeah, maybe that's my maybe that's it. That's I'm so pessimistic that I think it's going to be at least until May. So, but I'm with you. I hope it's sooner than that too. I hope it's tomorrow, but I, I don't I don't know that that's gonna that's gonna happen. Yeah, when you say it like you said it, it's, it may be the end of the fear. I mean that's that's your choice. That's everybody's choice, really. So for me, it's been a long time ago. I've I've never I've I have not been afraid or in fear of this. Um, because honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't pay anything in this world that much respect and fear. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, it's not, I shouldn't say respect. I respect it. You know, yeah. I respect it. Yeah. And it, but uh, to fear it is futile. I mean, it's my hands are my hands. Uh, my life is not in the hands of the government. My life is not in the hands of this of this virus. My life is not in the hands of anything that this world can throw at you or any circumstance or event. My life is in the hands of the Creator, and and that's the only one in whom I fear truly. Mm. That's a good word there. I think it uh, it kind of fits with what we're going to talk about tonight. You know, I we're definitely living in a, a troubling time right now. I would say that. You know, leave all the cliches and and uh, and uh, overused phrases aside I, and I think there's a lot of people that are that are struggling in life and I've been kind of compelled to 
to talk a little bit about a, a topic, and I, I might do that. Uh, might write about it or or put another word into it uh, outside of this podcast. But you know, we talk about a lot of things on the podcast. We talk about you know how to handle success. We talk about how to handle failure. We talk about struggle. We talk about um, you know sports. How to how to handle your your kids' uh, successes and failures? How to how to uh, how to handle your own? How, how to handle a lot of things when it comes to sports and life? But I think there there's a there's a concept out there that we haven't really touched on yet, in a way. And there's a um, I would say at times in life, as 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 human beings, all of us experience at one time or another this feeling of what I would call ultimate failure or ultimate loss. Mm. And it's, it's the type of event that really, really breaks us down and, and leaves us in this almost uh, hopeless state of not knowing, you know, how we're going to move forward. And I feel like a lot of people is dealing with that right now. And I, I feel like it's something that, that, uh, that has been growing in our, in our society, uh, for a while. Um, and I think with the situation that we're living in now with COVID, a lot of people are, have been actually compelled yeah. to feel that way in a certain way. And, you know, what I would like to talk about is, is just that, you know, what do you do? How do you handle or at least what should your mindset be when you get to a point to where something really bad has happened to you? You, you know, you've, you've lost something, you've lost someone in your life, you've made a, a horrible mistake. Uh, and, and, you know, this, the sports and uh, sports in general imitate life in that way. And that, in any any uh, any game that you're in, you can um, you can make a big mistake. We I was just watching. The, I know you were watching it too. The uh, the Packers Colts game. Yeah. And uh, and one of the Packers receivers, you know, they're driving. They have all the momentum. They just they went on a 95 yard drive to send the game into overtime, and they're driving again. And one of the Packers receivers fumbled the football. Yeah, they have the and, first and, possession of overtime and. They fumbled it in their yeah. own in their own t- uh, territory, yeah. And it was odd because you know as the Colts are lining up to kick the winning field goal, this receiver's over on the sideline, you know, just absolutely destroyed, and he's he's got his head down, and you know, you know, you kind of feel bad for him because you know he's 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 going through a bad moment there, and probably in that moment for him, he feels like, you know, he couldn't be any lower. He, you know, he couldn't have made yeah. uh, a bigger mistake than what he did, you know. I, I kind of experienced this this weekend too with my uh, my younger son's basketball team. They went twenty one and zero last year. Twenty one and zero, never lost a game. Had a lot of success, beat some really good teams, and uh, they played in a tournament this weekend and went one and three. Lost one game by forty, and the last game mm. they played, they lost by thirty. They had and, the old uh, humbling experience. <laughs> absolutely right, and so you know, I'm thinking, well, these these kids probably feel about as low as they can feel right now. You know, they they probably don't know what what's going to happen. Probably not. They 
maybe the parents feel that way. The kids are probably thinking about, you know, when they left the court, they're probably thinking about getting home and playing Xbox, really. But <laughs> we want to know the truth. But, you know, uh, just just that being an example of of the way, you know, in sports we can we can have that moment. And, and yeah. it, you know, it happens in a lot more important and a lot deeper things in life. And I, I want to bring up uh, a couple of those examples um, that I know, and I, I'll just kind of mention them because it, you have a story that, that you want to tell that, that's significant to the, to the topic. But uh, just point out, you know, there's there's this girl out there, bet named Bethany Hamilton, that was a, uh, a a professional surfer. And when she was 13 years old, she was she was attacked by a shark, and her actually let, lost her left arm. They told her, you know, she wasn't going to surf again, but. You know, several surgeries later, uh, a specialized surfboard, and a lot of uh, effort and hard work. Uh, she, you know, she's surfing again. So yeah. I, I can just think about, you know, uh, that how this 13-year-old girl felt when she she probably woke up in the hospital and she didn't have her left arm. I mean, how devastating that must have been. I, you know, I, yeah, I, the I, initial thought is it's it's over. Yes, I'll absolutely. never. It'll never be the same again. I'll never be able to do this again. You, you go the, immediately to the worst thoughts that you can imagine. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, there's a, there's another girl here that that uh, there, I know I know a little bit about her story. Her name's Don Logan. She's actually uh, a, a Harvard student. But what happened to her in, in high school? Um, she was a straight A student, and. Uh, she was left homeless her senior year. Her her parents were drug abusers, unfortunately, and they abandoned her. And uh, you know, I, I just think, man, I, you know, how tough that must have been as a as a senior in high school to, to have your uh, to have your parents abandon you. And she uh, she didn't let it keep her down. She she ended up out getting a, getting a full scholarship to Harvard and and going to Harvard. So you know, in that moment of losing your parents in that situation, you know how big. Yeah. How big of a disappointment, how big of a heartache, how big of a challenge you must have, you know, this this girl must have saw in her life that kind of uh, would have put her in a situation that, you know, you <laughs> a lot of people would think there's no coming back from this. And then the, the other one I would like to mention is a guy named Kyle Maynard. And Kyle Maynard was born with his condition. It was, uh, it was a condition known as congenital amputation. And... Uh, didn't have any arms or legs, basically. Um, Congenital. Congenital amputation. Was he born that way? Yes. That, that's what that means? Yep. Wow. And uh, he was the first quadruple amputee to ascend Mount Kilimanjaro oh, wow. without any prosthetics. He, he taped pieces of bicycle tire to the ends of his limbs. So it would protect his limbs as he scaled the mountain. Isn't that a great story? Incredible, <laughs> unbelievable. But you know, here this is a guy that you know, as a kid, you know, he's he's different from the other people. He knows he's at a disadvantage. He knows he he can't walk. He can't use his arms, and he doesn't let it doesn't let it keep him down. But uh, coach, you've got a story uh, that you want to share with us uh, about an individual named Mario Saint George. Boyardi, I do. First, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pass that off to you. Okay. Yeah, I would like to share this, and, and you know, I I think we can. Um, 
when I was thinking about this story and I was thinking about some of the application of it, I, I really think, Pat, that we could do an entire series of podcasts as a follow-up to this. We'll have to talk oh, about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You and That's I have to talk about it off the air, but, you know, well, there we'll are lots... see how many people listen to this one. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are lots of ways that this um, experience can take place in our lives. This... this um, disorienting and and asking ourselves where do i go now you know what this helplessness feeling you know i mean you you had mentioned some some scenarios uh, all of which are pretty much out of our control i should say you yes. know but you mentioned you mentioned some scenarios where uh things were happening that are completely outside of the realm of any possibility of control like kids who have had parents leave them or something, you know, incredible tragedies. And then you have somewhere if you're, you, they, they occur within like the game or the sport that you're playing. You know, for example, this afternoon, Joe Burrow, for example, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, we were watching the game uh, and he's, he drops back to make a pass. And, and next thing you, you know, next thing you see is him wrenching and writhing in pain on the ground. And then you see a replay and his knee bent the wrong way, about 45 degree angle. Actually, I looked at it, I saw a closer view of it, and it actually went to the side um, where it was confirmed just from, from, from feeling it, I think. You can get in there and, and, and feel around. You can tell if the ACL is torn. Uh, orthopedic surgeons can, and then they, they're working on an MRI. Of course, by the time people listen to this, we'll have the full diagnosis, I'm sure, and the, the plan for his, uh, his, his, his road back. But you see, those, you see the pictures of athletes and the, and on their faces, and you know we know how sick we feel when we watch that happen as fans, as people who are rooting for the player, and it yeah. makes you want to throw up to think, oh my gosh, this person who brings us so much joy every week that I, you know, this is this is you feel like you're part of their life, but then it, how much worse is it yeah. occurring in their heart and in their mind, you know, as well, and. Those, those thoughts of, and I know I see it in high school students that I've coached, high school players and student athletes that I've coached. You see it in these college students that, that I'm close to here at Ohio University. A lot of them have gone through injuries. I, you know, right now, there's one, a good friend of ours that goes, goes to our church. He just recently had surgery, and um, he's out for this year, and he's already dealt with one injury uh -huh. in his college career. And, and uh, you, you hear the pain in their voices because they just feel like, in the moment, they're never going to come back. I, I've, seen, you know, I've seen Brock walk through injury, you know, just, just, just different irritating things that he's dealt with in his wrist. And he had to get surgery last summer and, you know, sometimes having to play through it and just thinking, gosh, am I, am I ever going to feel normal again? Is there ever going to, how can I respond to this kind of stuff? And I think, sure. you know, those are some of the real common ones that we experience in sports. And I think if we had the ability to step back and get a, a perspective that is much larger than where we are right now. We tend to look at life in a microscope focus, a micro focus as opposed to a macro focus. And uh, I think if we were able to somehow step back and, and look at the big picture of what it's going to look like, you know, and it's, it's just amazing, you know, not an hour after that happened with Joe, he gets on there and tweet. Did you see what he tweeted? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, he, he says, Hey, uh, Thanks for the prayers. You can't get rid of me that easily. I'll see you next year. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay. You know, and I know that mindset. To him, the mindset is, well, it's a different kind of work, but tomorrow when I wake up, I got to get to work. Yeah. I got to get to work. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing. How do you, how do you, what do you do? 
yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's. You're right. We could probably talk about this in a bunch of different ways because there's, there's some important factors that, that decide which direction you go with that yeah. and who Joe Burrow is. Uh, I wasn't surprised in that response, that response. to be honest with you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll definitely be rooting for him. George Boyardi played lacrosse for Cornell University in the Ivy League in the mid-2000s. And um, his story, I'm going to paraphrase it tremendously here, but I, I, I want to tell it through the lens of his, of his coach, his lacrosse mm-hmm. coach, uh, whose name is uh, Jeff Tambroni. Um, he talked about how he remembered this recruit that they brought in uh, his freshman year named George uh, Mario St. George Boyardi. Uh, it's a family name, um, but he always went by George. And he said he, he said he can still remember the first time the, the coaching staff looked at him as he was walking out there on the sidelines when they were recruiting him. And there's like this guy, he just looked like a fierce warrior. He was just chiseled. His, he wasn't a big bulky guy, but he was tall and athletic and he was fit, and he just had this warrior spirit about him. And everything he did, he did it at max effort. And that was there. And so they, they saw him. It's like this is the kind of player we want. This is the kind of player we need on our team. And so uh, when the staff went to meet him, they immediately were surprised at how uh, his demeanor didn't match the look. <laughs> they thought this guy's going to have sort of some rough edges. But they said he was really kind of quiet, really soft-spoken, very, very humble. And um, they, they, they found out after bringing him on campus and bringing him onto their team that he was an incredible leader, but his, leader, his leadership was that of, it was, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of silent. It was, he led by example and he, he just kind of garnered this respect from his teammates that, um, that was, it was hard to describe. And they said that he had this paperweight that he kept on his desk and had a quote on it. It was given to him by his father, who's, who he's named after, Mario. And the quote was from Benjamin Franklin, and it said, well done is better than well said. And that's something I hear Jocko Willink say a lot. In fact, I think it might be a, a, a chapter in his book, Extreme Ownership. Well done is better than well said. Mm. Well, they said that as a freshman, no one worked harder in the weight room than George. No one ran harder during conditioning drills than George. Everything he did was absolutely to the best of his ability. He was one of the most competitive players they had ever seen. Um, but the, the cool thing was he wasn't driven by the need to be better than everybody else. He just wanted to be the best he could be. And, the, and he was just always driven to improve every single day. And so they said the you know, they could tell that this was a guy, I guess, I don't know anything at all about, about lacrosse, but I guess there's like, <laughs> he played defense and, and they're like the defend like people who play lacrosse, I guess you have different size sticks and things like that. that you play with, you have, you have like medium size, short sticks and long sticks and things like that. And I guess he was a midfielder with a long stick and the coaching staff came to him in the, in the middle of the season, and they asked George to switch from being a long stick defensive midfielder to a short stick defensive midfielder because they already had another player, an upperclassman, who was one of the best long stick midfielders in the country, and they wanted George to be on the field. And so uh, he said, that, you know, they were, they're always concerned about asking somebody to change positions because we kind of get locked into our certain positions, right? Everybody sure. does. And they yep. said that it was not even... 
it was not even a consideration in his mind. I mean, it, to, to, to balk at it, to question it. He was like, sure, coach, ah. whatever you need, whatever you need. And uh, they said, this wasn't going to be an easy transition to make. I mean, it required a completely different um, set of skills and stick skills and maneuvers and things like that. It was going to be pretty challenging. But they said when they asked George to switch, he never complained. Instead, um, he just said, okay, I got to get to work then. And he, he practiced extra. He spent a lot of extra time working on the, the different you know, skills and the drills and things like that to get better. And uh, he just focused on improving. And they said it's just this his throughout his entire college career, this is what kind of player he was. There was just no pretense about him. He was, I mean, he just he was who he was. He was humble, he was sincere, he was joyful, he was completely selfless, he was compassionate. And this is just who he was in general life, like as a student, but as an athlete, he he had the same exact persona. And he always stood up for those who, you know, wouldn't stand up for themselves. If, like if somebody was teasing a younger teammate or someone who was a little weaker, he had a way of telling people to knock it off, but even doing so in a way that doesn't make any, anybody feel bad about it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, okay, you know, all right, all right, George. You know, just like every, there was just this, he, there was this respect about him that, um, that, was, that was evident all the time. He well, was a leader. Yeah, yeah. So you, you say that to get an idea. You, you, you give that background to get an idea of the kind of player you're talking about. Well, now you fast forward to, um, I think it was his junior or senior year season, right around 2007. The coach said it was in the second game of the season, their team had suffered a really embarrassing loss to Georgetown in Washington, D.C., which is actually George's hometown. So it was in front of his friends and family. And they said he was really upset about this because the way the team played. And he took all those things personally. The way the team played, he always took personally. And so he, he said, guys, we got to fix this. And so they went out and they played Stony Brook the next, the next game. And um, they, just, they won, but they just barely beat them. And so they, they were still playing below their potential. And so George was just doing everything. He said I, he remembered every, George was doing everything he could in that game to just win it. He was relentless. He was stealing every ball that he could get from opposing players, picking up tons of, you know, uh, loose balls and whatever, how, how, whatever, you know, I'm not even going to try lacrosse terminology. <laughs> You'd think I'd know but, more because Jim <laughs> Brown was a great lacrosse player. Yeah, yeah. Know. But, uh, but they were still playing below their potential. But they were they were they were winning, um, just not not as much as they they felt like they should. And so, their next game was on a Wednesday night, and they said it was a really cold night. The team was playing uh, below their potential again, and they should have been cruising on to victory, but um, they just weren't. In fact, they said at this by this time the team that they were playing against they should have been beating them by so much that all their subs should have been in the game, but. And George shouldn't even been on the field this time. But because the game was still close, he was out there. And they said he was out there playing as relentlessly as he always plays, trying to deliver, you know, that, that win um, for the team. And the coach said this. Our opponent had the ball on offense in a man-up situation as they looked for another opportunity to score and move one step closer to tying the game. They took a shot from about 15 yards out. But George jumped in front of the ball and blocked it with his chest. Then he took a few steps toward the sideline, staggered, and fell to the turf. Well, our athletic trainer, he said, ran out there immediately knowing that something was seriously wrong. 
And the athletic trainer performed CPR several minutes for several minutes until the ambulance came, took George to the hospital where they tried to resuscitate him without any success. He said it was the worst moment of his life, the coach yeah. said. Um, he said about 90 minutes after George was taken off the field, the game was over there in the locker room. The coaching staff had received word from the hospital, official word that he had passed away. And he said after taking a few moments to himself, he called his parents. His parents actually were not at that game because it was a rescheduled game and they couldn't come. And uh, then he went out to speak to the team. He said he walked in the locker room with, with tears already in his eyes. But then he had to step back into the coach's office because he couldn't compose himself. And he had to go in and compose himself before speaking to them. But he said he noticed that when he had done that, the team saw, what, the team saw him and they all burst into tears because they knew what the news was. He said they were in shock. They were in a lot of pain. Their captain, their teammate, their friend... The heart of their team was gone. And he yeah. said, after that, they had to decide, what are we going to do with this season? So they actually had conversations. What do we do with that? Trying to answer that question that you posed to us here in this podcast. What next? Sure. Be, what do we do? Yeah, be, yeah. What next? Because at that, I mean, at that moment, you're, you know, you're, it's, you use the words team. You, the, you, you were you use the word teammate and you use the word friend, mm -hmm. and they're 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 two different realms, but all the same. Yeah, and it's a it's a devastating it's a devastating reality when you when you lose someone like that, and not only that, but you think about it from a personal perspective. You also think about it from a team perspective. You think about how are we going to replace this guy? Yeah. Um, and then you think about, you know, it happening again. The, um, the reality that could happen again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's rough. And you don't know, you don't know where to go. <laughs> you know, you don't, you, you, uh, in the moment when you're, when you're, as you're evaluating those things in your head, that is the question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, you know, what's next? What's next after this horrible, horrible loss? Yeah. After this horrible event that we've, we've all, you know, experienced now and, and will experience, what do we do? It's a tough question to answer. It is. And I think that that would be, you know, where I, where I said that we could go a lot of directions and um, speak to a lot more, speak to the story a lot more in future episodes. I think that we really could, we could talk about um, some of the ways that people respond, particularly this team and how they responded as well after this. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention is that the, um, the team had created a, uh, like, like a lot of teams do, they create a, a way to sort of reward certain players on a week to week basis based on their performance, based upon their work ethic. And, you know, some people, some of them have like a lunch pail and you can carry the lunch pail. You know, lots of football teams will carry the hammer, things like that. Well, they had a hard hat. And if you were the person that received the hard hat because of the way you worked, 
uh, you would basically carry it around with you. It'd be your, you, you'd wear it to the field and then you, you know, it'd be, it'd be with your stuff. They said it was hard to get the hard hat away from George on a, week, <laughs> on a weekly basis. That hard hat, yeah. everything that he was, was what they wanted the person who wore that hard hat every week to be. And so to make a long story short, basically they dedicated this whole idea of the hard hat to him. From that point forward, they had a red hard hat with the number 21 on it, which was his number. And they came up with 21 ways, the number that George wore, 21 ways that he was a great teammate to them. Mm. So you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. We could do and 21 podcasts on these things. I don't think we should do that many, but I'm telling you, it's an incredible, it's, it's an, inc- it, it, when you think about what it really means to be a great teammate and the example that this guy left behind for teams and players, uh, it's a great legacy. It really is. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I, I think you could summarize it by saying that the key to the answer to the question of what's next is no understanding and knowing um, that you have a purpose. Uh, not everyone knows that purpose right off, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it would be beneficial to find it. And I think that's what's baked into these these types of things, like the example that you give there, the, the 21 ways and and. And, you know, the way that they've figured out or the way that they figured out a way to, to honor um, George, you know, going forward within the program, within, you know, within the team. It's hard, man. It's hard. And, I, you know, when I think about this story, I think about because, you know, the, in this situation, the loss was it was a life. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a game. It yeah. wasn't a. It wasn't a, a uh, uh, you know, a fumble. It wasn't a, a strikeout. It was a person. It was a, it was a friend. It was a, it was a son. And that's about as devastating as things get in this world. And uh, it's not an easy answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's really tough. But I know that when I, when I think about it, I think about, you know, his parents and I think about those friends and I, I recognize that in that, in that moment, there's a lot of hopelessness and there's a lot of uncertainty. And I correlate that with the situation that a lot of people find themselves in now. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I correlate it with earlier today. I correlated it with the way I, uh, assumed Joe felt when he was laying on the field. Uh, they said they could, they could, uh, think so. I, one of his teammates said that they could hear him screaming. Yeah. I think Chase Young said that. That's right. The Chase Young said, and then who is a teammate? Yeah, exactly. It was a teammate actually was in on the hit that caused the, that caused the injury. So, you know, that when it's just a devastating, that devastating feeling, you're right, sick to our stomach. That's kind of how I felt, too. And I'm, a, you know, everyone knows I'm a Browns fan, but everyone also knows Joe Burrow, uh, you know, what his impact is and, and what his uh, association with is with Southeastern Ohio. And uh, there's a lot of kids in this area that, that are t- that are tied to Joe Burrow. I can mm-hmm. tell you that there's a lot of people uh, looking up to him and, and counting on him and uh, rooting for him to do great things. And 
and you know that what? alone makes him important to me. Yeah, go ahead. He will. Yeah, I know, he, and that's he, the thing. He will. I, and I want to say that because you know why he will. He he will because he knows what his purpose is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he and but here's the thing: he he lives that, and he's been living that for a long time. And it's a key because when that when that moment happens, when that failure happens, when that loss happens, or when that huge personal mistake, you know, people make mistakes too in life mm-hmm. that they don't feel like they can come back from. Right. And when yeah, those things happen, true. you know, we, 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 you know, it, we still, if, if, if we have that purpose, if we're grounded, we know that the thing to do is just continue on. Right. In a lot of different ways. I think that's why it's so important to have a, uh, an amount of faith. Um, and you know, we're, you and I are, are, are Christians. We don't, we don't, necessarily make this a uh, a faith uh, podcast but i think a lot of our uh, the topics that we have are uh are enshrined in the in the the faith that we have in 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 our god and and the principles that we take from the bible yeah it's impossible and, to not when it's a life <laughs> sure it's not yeah, exactly. it's not a, it's not a compartmentalized it's not like well n- now we're talking about this and now we're talking about that and well no it's who i am so it's impossible to not uh, have have the flavor of this podcast come out, which is we, we are people of faith. Yeah, and I would just say this too that the principles in the Bible are so great that mm-hmm. you don't you 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 actually don't have to be a believer, uh, a literal believer of the words to to take a lesson from it and understand the foundation that's being presented. Um, the, the 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 portrait of Jesus is greatness. Yeah. Uh, and and regardless of where you stand on that side of the uh, uh, spectrum, you can take a lot away from the words uh, of Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. But you know, I would point to what Paul says in Romans, and that is that he basically says that when we suffer that suffering produces endurance mm. and that endurance produces character and the character produces hope. So we should rejoice in the sufferings that we have. That's a, that's a purpose there. That's a purpose driven statement. We, we understand that these things bring us to that hope. And of course, you know, the, our hope is in God and, and as you, as you open the, the podcast pretty much, God supersedes all things that we experience on this earth. So, you know, there, there, there really is nothing to fear when you're, when you're anchored in that principle, but, um, understanding the purpose and understanding that each, each day, each moment, each, each challenge that you go through is just that it's just, it's just a moment and you can come back from these things. You can come back from the devastating losses the devastating injuries, the devastating mistakes people do, you know, they, they yeah. do all the time. We, you know, we have those stories, you know, that's as, as human beings, we're built to be resilient in that way that we can overcome these things that, that are so devastating and so, uh, so painful, both mentally and physically to us. We're strong enough to do that. Absolutely. We are.
I'll give you another principle, another biblical principle here. Okay, lay it on me. Jesus said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Mm. And, you know, he's talking about how uh, basically, you know, worrying, worrying does us no good. Because that, that's, what's, that's what's happening in, the, in those moments, right? We're, yes. we're worried. We want, we, want, we want to go backwards in time. We can't. No one has a time machine. We can't go back and get what just happened. We want to. We want to. We're devastated. We want to be able to go back, rewind the clock, and make it different. But we can't. And so what do we do? Well, we worry about it. <laughs> well, what are, we, what are we really worrying about? Well, what's going to happen now? What am I not going to be able to do now? What, what, yeah. How am I going to move on from here, right? And the, the principle here, the point is that not a single one of us, what, what we're doing when we're worrying is we're trying, to, we're trying to add something to our lives that we can't add. We just, it, it is impossible. We can't do it. And so basically he goes on to say, you know, that, you know, there's two ways to live. Basically, there's a, you can worry about everything. And if you're worried about everything, then uh, you're going to be in charge of having to figure out everything. But if you, if you don't worry, if you place if you place your trust in something higher than yourself, you place your trust in the one who created you, then you don't have to worry. Yeah, you don't have to worry. He says he actually says it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry for itself. Or, you know, to, uh, each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm botching that all up. But, uh, you know, but that's, that's kind of a paraphrase of, of what he's saying there and I, in the uh, book of Matthew. It's also recorded in the book of Luke. But, you know, there's just an example of how, yeah, this isn't a, this isn't a Christian podcast, a faith-based podcast, but a, a lot of the principles that you folks here, Pat and I, talk about, that, this is where it's coming from. We got to be yeah. really honest with you. It's where it's coming from. It's coming from the scripture and, and what we have put our lives into, and it's how we coach as well. I'm not saying that's how we coach in terms of oh, we're always quoting scripture to our kids because honestly, I don't do that. But <laughs> it's how we, you know, in how you live and how, and the decisions you make, and when you give kids perspective to say, look, there's no reason to worry. I have said to kids before, hey, look, you don't have a time machine. You can't turn back. You can't turn back the clock. You can't go back. So it does us no good to worry about it. We got to move forward. We got to move on. We got to figure out. Okay, what am I going to do now? Because everything, every day, and every moment has enough worry for itself. It doesn't need us to worry for it. We're not going to add anything to our lives or to the moment by worrying. So we got to let that go. Just let it Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's funny because we talk about worrying because worrying in itself doesn't change anything. And that the, I think the 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 odd part about that is is by choosing not to worry, you're you're kind of taking it taking it and taking the situation into your own hands. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So basically, you know, there in a way, you know, we can't change what happened before, mm-hmm. right? We can't. Uh, we don't have the power to change uh, the story up to this point, but we do decide how the story. And maybe in a smaller a smaller scale, the the chapter of the story that we're in, we we, we can decide how that's going to end. Yeah, and, you have influence over the outcome for sure. Yeah, and and what the it, there's respond. no, I, I think retribution, or you know, you, 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 everyone always talks about the comeback player of the year, which I, I in in all sports they talk about that, and I would, I've got my I've got that one earmarked for next year, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, we love a comeback story, right? Yeah. 
naturally everyone loves a comeback story they love when people come back from 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 the depths to, to to make a difference and you know it when when things go wrong in life when when you hit that when you feel like you there's no you, you don't know what to do or you, you, you know there there is no hope there's one thing that 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 moment brings and it's i mean there more than one thing but there's at least one thing that it brings and that's the fact that you've went through it so you deserve to know the satisfaction of feeling that you've overcome it that yes. you've you know you, that you've you've came back uh, and and emerged uh victorious over the challenge or the the, the situation that you found yourself in so yeah. I, I think there's a there's a huge need in our um in, in our society right now i know uh, uh Locally, there's a huge need for uh, our kids and 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 our our you know our, our the citizens of our area to to hear that uh, we're going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna we're Man, gonna be okay. That's regionally, nationally, globally. Yeah, that's that needs to be heard everywhere. And I don't think it's just COVID related. I'm not just talking coronavirus um, i know i know so yeah but uh i hope that i hope that uh we can do that i hope that we can we can play a part in kind of uh and kind of bringing that uh bringing that sense of control bring that sense of uh of purpose to in some way to those that, that listen to us on a daily basis or or maybe the, the, our listeners know someone that's struggling a little bit and and they can send you know what we're talking about to somebody that, that needs to hear it and you know as always reach out to us if, if yeah. you want to talk about it even if you think we're absolutely idiotic in, in what we're saying <laughs> and, you, and you want us to, to tell us so go ahead and do that because uh if you're hurting and, and you're uncertain you're not alone mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not alone yeah. but you're not too far gone either right so you're not always going to have control over the things that come to you. We know that we've experienced that. Every one of us do every single day. And we say this a lot. This principle is, is something that we should just all keep so near and dear to our, in our minds and to our hearts. And if you have to write it down, put it all over your, all, all over your, uh, your walls, uh, in post-it notes, in your mirrors, whatever it takes in your books. And that is, um, the old uh, formula E plus R equals O is is, mm. is irrelevant here, right? Events plus response equals outcome, and and what that equation means in our lives is events come at us all the time, and we don't get to choose what events are thrown at us. Sometimes we can. Sometimes we choose them by our behaviors and our actions and our decisions and our choices. But most of the time, we don't get to choose events that, and circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that means there's an outcome that's going to take place <laughs> whenever something comes at us. There's a certain outcome that's going to happen. That outcome hasn't, the outcome is not the event. We got to remember that. That yeah. is not the outcome. The event that you're experiencing right now does not have to be the outcome. The important part of this formula, the most important part of this formula is that R. And that R factor 
is your response and your response changes everything. Absolutely. It's the only thing we can control. It's what you can control. You actually have, you actually have influence over that outcome based on what your response is. And you've got to believe that. You say that sometimes our actions cause us to be put in situations. Those actions are responses to the situation that we're in or the event, you know, that we're experiencing. Right. So no matter what, we're, we're acting out on, on something we're acting in a moment, in a, in a circumstance, in a situation, we control that response at some point. Even if you're in a situation where you could argue that you don't control the response anymore, at some point you did to get there, right? Sure. <laughs> so and the reality is, you know, I, I would I would argue that I would argue that vehemently because I don't care what situation you're in, unless you're dead, unless you have, unless your mind, unless your unless your brain is turned off, mm. you always control your response. You're yeah. always in control of how you of how you perceive what is happening. Mm. And that's the biggest problem with a lot of issues that we face. Ryan Holiday talks mm. about it in The Obstacle is the Way. The first thing the first thing that happens is is there is the event and there's how we perceive the event. And a lot of times we respond based on how we perceive the event and that causes us to respond negatively. The fact is we got to remove ourselves from our perceptions sometimes and see the event for what it really is, you know. If you, Absolutely. you've just been injured, hey, yeah, this, this, it's not the end of the world. That's the way I'm perceiving it right now. But the fact is, a lot of people, a lot of good athletes have come back from a torn ACL. I can do it too. I can't do it today. I can't do it tomorrow. I got to have the long view in mind. I got to have patience. I got to have persistence. I got to be resilient. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's going to be my response. Okay, get to work. That's how you can say, all right, I'll see you next year. Get to work. Good word. Good word. Well, buddy, my battery's about dying here. I'm talking. Well, to we better call. We better call, <laughs> call her an evening. So, what do you think? Do you want? Do you want to? Uh, is this a to be continued? You think? Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll work up something. We'll, I think it's going to we'll be look. a good to be continued. I really do. It, we 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 don't run into this situation very often, so we'll we'll run with it. Yes. Unless unless there's only like three listeners for this by Wednesday and then maybe we'll go in a different direction but <laughs> if we get if we get emails and then text messages saying oh this was hor- this was horrible you guys need to change directions yeah we uh, yeah a bunch of bunch of I hate your cult hey listen it's our podcast like we can talk about whatever we want <laughs> I think I think at this point we have a loyal fan base it's gonna that's gonna let us uh, let us uh, give them some bad content every once in a while uh, anyway, so well, well, I'll say this. I w- w- I'll say this as a, by way of teaser. Okay. Okay. Here we go. What I have in mind is to is to give people a list, an actionable list of ways that they can be a really great teammate. We'll use George Boyardi's life and his example to draw out ways that our kids. That your kids, mom, dad, can be great teammates, and I'll be, and I'll, and I'll give you a little hint. I'll give you a little secret too. A, a lot of these, a good bit of these, include you as well. They, they include all of us. They include coaches. They include families, parents, but they most assuredly yeah. include the kids, the players. And so uh, it's it's extremely relevant to our coaching life podcast and what we talk about in in, in sports. But of course, being a good teammate is uh, is a is a life uh, issue as well. It's a life concept as well. Um, because these are things that you'll carry with you for the rest of your life. 
sounds great. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Good deal. Good stuff. As the guys on the coaching as always live podcast will say. Yes. <laughs> Good talking to you, coach. Yeah, buddy. See you, brother.